Uh, good morning. Good to see all of you guys here. Hi, online people. Good to see you this morning. It is uh, it's a delight to have you guys with us at Living Waters. My name is Josh. I'm the preaching pastor here, and we are so thankful that you are here uh, with us this morning. So 1 Peter chapter 1 is where we're going to be studying uh, this morning, and as Chad read, we are going to look into verses 3 through 9. As we uh, turn there, if you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it up to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we will, uh, we will get into the text, and I'll pray in just a little bit, but I want to start by um, seeing if, uh, there we go, see if we can say thank you to a few people. So the, this is Eve and Sila and Naraya. Uh, they were the superstars of yesterday's cleaning day at the new building. So uh, we had an incredible group come out. We had 35 to 40 people come out to the new building yesterday in the cold uh, to clean the building and get it ready for inspection. So if you were one of those individuals, thank you. Thank you for helping. And uh, the girls, as you can see, they, they were the broom brigade going around, and uh, they were amazing workers. And so let's just put our hands together for all those people that came out. Yes, super thankful. And, and church, be hopeful. God is working, and we are moving in a direction that is super, super exciting uh, to hopefully be in that building that you see on the picture, be in there very soon. So by God's grace, we'll get there. Um, also, just a plug for music team. So uh, join the worship team. I told Brandon I would, I would uh, do this for the next few times that I preach. Um, if you can sing, if you can play drums, if you can play bass guitar, if you can play any instrument whatsoever and you are a member of our church, we want you. Brandon wants you. If Brandon's voice goes out again, we need another voice to step in and sing. Uh, we are just plugging our worship team here for the next probably three or, three or four Sundays. Uh, there are applications to be on the team. Um, you can find those applications out in the lobby. Brandon will walk you through what those uh, are and what that's all about. But if you are musically inclined, if you feel passionate about how God has wired you regarding music, uh, we would love for you to get involved. And we would love for the team to continue to build. So if you're online or you're with us this morning and that is you, I'm talking to you, um, go ahead and ask for that application. Or if you're here physically, just go get one in the lobby afterwards and that would be a great thing. So, all right, um, speaking of singing, we are coming into 1 Peter chapter 3 and the Apostle Peter is telling us to sing. And uh, what a good day to be going through this passage of Scripture where singing is kind of the thing. It's Valentine's Day. It's, it's a day of love. It is a day of hopefully husbands wooing their wives and asking them to be their Valentine. Hopefully today that happens. And, and hopefully you're, 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 you're singing. Peter is going to say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he's going to say that in verse 3. And literally, like in the Greek, it is bless God. Bless God. Sing to God. Express praise to God for what he's going to list out, all the benefits of, of blessing God being. But, but, you know, blessing God is, is really what, what Peter is after. Singing to God. Singing praises to God is what Peter is after this morning. And how many of you, um, how many of you did this? 
<laughs> Children of the 90s, okay? Like, like, like sing to me now, right? Like, this is, for those of you who are a little bit younger, uh, if you're a millennial or a Gen Zer, all right, th- this is called a burned CD disc. And what we would do is we would get all of our, our favorite songs and we would burn them on a disc. And then we would give these discs to those that we loved as presents. I can still remember in college, I can still remember a, a friend of mine named Kip. He, would, he helped me create a CD of love songs for the girl I was dating at the time, Danielle. And, and, and he even helped me put like a little uh, like, like, like picture of us and we, and we screenshotted it onto the CD and I felt really cool because, I, I, truth be told, there's a couple songs by 98 Degrees on that CD. And so, so if you remember this, you, you would sing to your loved one or you would create song lists for your loved one. And, and you would give these as gifts. And I think on Valentine's Day morning, this is a very good kickoff to the passage. And so I want you to think in your minds of singing. Okay, singing, singing, singing. That's where we're going this morning, but not singing necessarily Valentine's Day songs, but singing praises to our God. So let's open up in prayer and let's, uh, let's dig into God's word together. Father, thank you for your amazing love. It's such a privilege, God, to be here this morning. It's such an honor to be here. And God, we, uh, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for the way you're working in our lives. God, we need you more than, more than we could ever express. We need you and your, your love. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of every Christian here, encourage them, strengthen them. And God, if there's even one person here who's not a Christian or not sure that they're going to spend eternity in heaven, I pray that you would help save them this morning, God. And we pray that you do this all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at 1 Peter chapter 1, again, singing is what I want you to have in your minds. Now, why sing? I mean, why sing when life stinks, right? Why sing when it's minus 600 degrees outside and you you really don't want to go outside and come to church? Why sing in that? I mean, when you live in the kind of winter we're living in and it just keeps snowing. Can I get an amen? Or a why God? You know, like why is this happening? Uh, You know, life rarely lives up to your expectations. You know, life rarely fills the bill of what your expectations are. Once you pass your teenage years, your physical body literally begins to break down and decay. I mean, why sing when your body is decaying and breaking down? Um, When the news is constantly negative and hateful. I mean, why sing? Sarcasm is so much easier, is it not? Can I get a sarcasm amen, right? You know, like sarcasm is just so much easier. Why not do that? Why sing? Uh, Why sing when you feel like maybe you're a faceless person in a crowd? Nobody cares about you. Nobody, Nobody cares about what's happening in your life. Why sing when you feel left out, when you feel forgotten? Why sing when uh, the opposite is true, you know, like the opposite of having too much attention on you, too much scrutiny over all your decisions, too much 
you know, um, attention from people can drive you crazy just as much. Why sing then? Why sing when death is coming? You know, no one escapes it. 10 out of 10 people in this room are going to die. And it's probably going to be really painful and terrible. So why sing? Why sing? When that's the reality of what's going to happen to me, why sing? Um, and then there's being a Christian. On top of just normal life stuff, there's being a Christian. You've got to suffer sometimes. In fact, suffering is part of the bill of being a Christian. So why sing when you have to suffer for Jesus? Why sing when, when, when you know, the call of God is to suffer with Christ on the cross? Why sing praises? Because you're tempted to ask the questions that I'm tempted to ask. God, do you really care? Do you really see what's happening right now? Like, this is really rough and hard. Um, so singing, why should I sing? Well, the power of singing. The only way you're going to sing authentically from your heart and your mind to God in the tough circumstances of life of being a Christian is through the power of the gospel. The gospel is the only thing that will empower you and me to sing this morning. Did you know that? It's the only thing that's going to empower you to sing with joy in your life is the power of the risen Jesus inside of you and the promises of God that are for you. They compel us to sing. In fact, if we understand 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9 correctly, we have a foundation and we have a, a really solid place to, to be in a place where we can sing through Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. So, in fact, if we know Jesus, he will cause us to want to sing. That's pretty powerful. So, in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9, the Apostle Peter is going to talk to all these dispersed Christians, and he's going to say, I'm telling you to sing. And he's going to tell us in 2021 at Living Waters, sing, church, sing to God. Sing this morning. Sing with all of your heart. He's going to tell us what to sing, which is good. He's going to tell us when to sing, and he's going to tell us how to sing. So let's, let's take a peek at where we're going this morning. Number one, he's going to tell us what to sing. We're going, we are supposed to sing your salvation song, okay? If you're looking to, what you should, what you should sing as a Christian this morning, you should sing your salvation song song. And let's look at the text here, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So according to his great mercy, God has caused us to be born again. So what's the reason or why does God save people? Why does God save sinners? Does he save sinners because sinners are really wealthy and God needs their wealth? No. D does God save sinners because of your good looks? Can I get a good look, amen? Come on, it's Valentine's Day. Right? Does God save you because you look so fine this morning? No. Okay, why does God save us this morning? Does he save us because... You have a beautiful family and your family's perfect and everything's put together and all the kids are behaving. Does God save you because of that? No. Does God save you because of your winsome smile? Come on, you've had dental work done. You look really good. No. 
God says that he saves people because of his great mercy. And if you want to translate that, it literally means large kindness. God looks down on us as wicked sinners and he says, I'm going to save you, not for any other reason than because of my large kindness in your life. So, Paul said it this way in Ephesians 2. He said, but God being rich in mercy, same word, rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So we are saved through the great mercy of God, and we are born again. Okay, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the born again idea, okay, that is, it, it makes our minds think of John 3, right? We think of Jesus with Nicodemus at night in John 3, and he tell, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. And in verse 5 of John 3, Jesus says, truly, truly, I tell you, you cannot, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So, to, bo- to be born again is to look at Christ and to receive a new nature, right? To, to believe in Jesus and to receive yeah, like a new nature from God, forgiveness from God, a new start from God. So we have been born again, according to the great mercy of God, to a living hope, a living hope, not a dead hope, a living hope. You know, this world is full of dead hope. You know that? Like, come on, like, like it's just full of dead hope. We've got a lot of things that are attached to human dreams and money and, and ambition. And, and our society is built on the next solution, but it's a dead hope because it's given by humans, for humans, and it never lasts. But Jesus says that he is the living hope. John chapter 11, Jesus told Martha, I am the, the, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will never die even though he'll never die even though he, uh, no, he'll, he'll, he'll never, he'll always live even if he dies. There we go. There, just get it out. Okay. So this morning we've been saved by the power of God according to his great mercy to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So this morning, church, you have a song if you know Jesus. You have a song this morning. Your song is not Taylor Swift's our song, right? That ain't, that ain't the song. Your song is a song of salvation if you know Jesus. And you are to sing that song this morning. So if you know Christ, that's, that's what Peter is telling you right away. You've been born again. You've been born again to a living hope. You have a song to sing. Sing your song of salvation today. So secondly, um, what else is Peter saying? He's saying, Sing your song of permanent inheritance. Permanent inheritance. So the song of salvation, the content of that song is a permanent inheritance. And let's just look at the scriptures here in verse 4 and 5. We've been born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So we've been born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus, into an inheritance. Now, most of you know what an inheritance is. An inheritance is money that you're going to get when somebody dies, right? 
Money is wealth that is passed down or a legacy of, of, of something that is received by simply being a member of a family. Okay, that is an inheritance. So an inheritance is what we receive as believers in Jesus when we put our faith in Christ. We are given this inheritance and it is coming to us, but our inheritance is located in heaven. Did you hear me? Our inheritance is not here on this earth. So stop looking for it. Amen? Stop looking for it down here. Our inheritance is in heaven if we know Christ. It is... It is, an, an, it is an eternal, vertical inheritance. What kind of inheritance is it? It is imperishable, it's undefiled, and it is unfading. So let's just look at those three things really quickly. All right, imperishable means not corruptible, all right, which means uh, your inheritance cannot be destroyed. Okay, do you remember when Jesus said in Matthew 6, moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal? Right, your physical possessions, they can go away, can't they? They can go away real quick. All right, if somebody breaks in and steals stuff from your house, all that stuff that you've invested your time and energy and money into is gone. All right, your car, like my amazing Mazda 6, all God's people said, amen, right? Aren't you impressed with my car? It has, it has rust spots, right, on the, on the lower part, the wheel uh, area. They, I got rust, Okay, so like my car's starting to rust. So what am I going to do? I'm going to give it to my ninth grader. Amen? All right. But that, it's perishable. If you know Jesus, your inheritance is in heaven and it's imperishable. Never rust. Nobody can break into heaven and steal your inheritance. It is waiting for you in glory. Now, it's undefiled, which means it's unstained or unpolluted. There's no flaws in the inheritance of heaven, waiting for Christians. And it's unfading, which means that it never loses its magnificence. This is really a powerful word in the Greek because in secular Greek, it means um, that it, it, it regard, it's regarding a flower that does not wither or die. So, so your inheritance is unfading, which means it's like a flower that never dies. How appropriate for Valentine's Day, right? How appropriate is this word for Valentine's Day? Because our inheritance in heaven is like this eternal bouquet that is waiting for us and it's never going to fade or wither. Now, this picture automatically brings guilt to many males in this room. So a lot of you guys need to get on your horse, all right, and get flowers for your girl. And so I did this Friday. I got, I got a bouquet of flowers for Danielle. And the, and the girls, I got a bunch of candy, stuff like that, brought it home. And here's what I know, right? Here's what I know. I gave the flowers to Danielle. We put it in a vase or vase, depending on how you say it. And we put it in the vase. And here's guaranteed what I know. The flowers are going to wither. At some point, those flowers that I spent money on at Hy-Vee Floral Shop are going to fade away. Because no matter how good of a gift it is, the flowers fade. That is the idea, the opposite of that is the idea of our inheritance in heaven. If you know Jesus as Savior, it's never going to fade. There will never be a moment where it just withers and fades away and you're disappointed in heaven because, oh, I thought that would last longer. 
you're going to always be amazed at God's power to keep your inheritance unfading, full of no decay. This spiritual inheritance, according to the scriptures, is kept by God's power through faith. So you see the combination of God's sovereignty and human responsibility here? It's beautiful, right? God's power is how we're kept. The inheritance is kept by his power. He's the one watching over the inheritance in heaven, but it's also kept through our faith. We have to maintain faith in our human experience. We got to hold on to faith. And God does it, and this inheritance will be revealed to us. Um, it's, Christian, you're going to find hope here this morning, right? Because your song that you sing is a song of salvation, but it's, it's a song about permanent inheritance. When you sing in your heart and mind about your Christianity, you are singing about an inheritance that is never going to fade away. It's an eternal, permanent inheritance, And the day we go, die, and be with Jesus is the day we see this inheritance face to face. Now, you don't know this guy. Most of you don't. This is Bryson Gish. And Bryson is a a young man, physically handicapped, severely handicapped. And yet, he was a young man who gave tremendous amounts of joy to people that he knew in Jesus Christ. Bryson knew Christ as Lord and Savior. And many of you, probably almost all of you, have no idea who he is. But this is a a young man that I was introduced to just a couple weeks ago because this young man impacted the lives of many people, including our office manager, Chelsea Smith, and her husband, Jake. Jake and Chelsea are very close friends with Bryson and his wife, Kim. And though Bryson was physically handicapped, he was, a, he was a joy to people. Chelsea's been telling me stories. And she tells me these stories in the office of this and this, and Bryson did this, and he was encouraging to this person. He would go serve this person. He would sing to his wife. He would do all these amazing things that Jesus followers do. Despite his handicap, Bryson was a light And Bryson had a very serious infection, and he went to be with Jesus just a little over a week ago. And the funeral was just this week. Jake and Chelsea drove down to Missouri, and the powerful testimonies of people, as Chelsea was relaying these stories to me of how many people stood up with tears in their eyes and just said, Bryson showed me the love of Jesus. Bryson was, was Christ to me. Bryson was, was a person that impacted my life for Christ. And even in his handicap, he was pouring out the joy of Christ. I was thinking through the stories that Chelsea told me earlier this week. And I've been meditating upon them in the last few days. Bryson, though handicapped, right, made an impact. And he can now see the inheritance face to face right like what we see in a mirror it's cloudy we we hope we see it we we feel it we feel jesus we know that heaven is our home bryson sees it now he has seen his inheritance unfading imperishable 
and he's not handicapped anymore. Amen? You guys, as Christians, we have a song to sing. Our song is salvation. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, your song is salvation. And our song as believers is of a permanent inheritance. And think about people, maybe not Bryson, but think about people that you know that you cannot wait to see again. There are precious individuals who have gone before us who have believed in Christ and they see the inheritance and if they could stand in front of us now, they'd say, keep going, keep singing your song. The song is of permanent inheritance. Praise God. Third, when we sing, we are told when to sing. We are to sing our song today. We are to sing our song today. And in verse six, it says this, in this you rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In this you rejoice. All right? We're rejoicing in what? In our inheritance. We're rejoicing in the reality of the beauty of our salvation. Though now, right? For a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Now, Peter's getting practical. I like this. This is good for us. We've been floating in the clouds of spiritual inheritance. We've been thinking about heaven and glory. But we're probably wondering, well, what does that mean for the here and now? I mean, how can I sing now? Well, Peter says, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Trials are a reality in the Christian's life. Can I get a witness? Amen? Right, right, like this is the reality of our lives. We walk from one trial to the next trial, and, and we don't like the trials that we get, but trials are part of the Christian life. Trials in the Christian life are, are hard, and we're going to get to the definition of what Peter says, but I want to I tell you something beautiful about trials in our lives. Do you see it? It says, though now, today, that's where I get today from, sing your song today, though now, for a little while if necessary. The in, trials in the Christian life are temporary. Did you know your trials are temporary? Can I get a witness, church? You know your trials are temporary. Though now for a little while. If necessary. If necessary. That means they have purpose. Which means God doesn't give us trials without purpose. He gives us trials on purpose. For a period of time, in order to do what? In order to test the genuineness of our faith. So let's just look at, at the word various trials there. When we get trials, they are various. And what this means is trouble comes in many forms. Right? Trouble comes in many forms. This is a really good thing for us to think through. In the Greek, literally, it means many colored. Trials come with many colors. So we need to understand in the midst of our Christian life that whatever trial we're going through, our brother or sister in Christ is also probably going through a trial, and we cannot say that those trials are the same all the time, right? 
Sometimes we can get really judgy and judgmental, be like, I'm going through this really hard thing, but brother or sister so-and-so, it doesn't seem like they're going through as hard of a thing. Why, God? Because trials are various. Right? We need to stop judging one another and love one another because what may not be a big deal to you, it could be a huge deal to your brother or sister in Jesus. And what is a big deal to you might not be a big deal to our other brothers and sisters. So we have various trials. So anyway, church, stop judging, right? Help each, let's help each other as much as we possibly can because the trials have a variety. What's the result of them? So the tested genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what is God up to when he gives us trials? He's trying to test the genuineness of our confession. How genuine is your confession of Jesus? When hard things come, are you running away from the trial or are you going into the trial? Are you leaning into God through the trial? Which one is it? Okay, this is um, the illustration. This is the metaphor that Peter is using. Uh, this is gold being refined. All right, does that look hot? Anybody think that looks hot? On a minus 30,000 degree day, does that look warm? Looks kind of attractive, actually, on some levels. All right, but this is gold being purified. Gold is melted down into liquid form. And then, it's, and then it's purified and they bring the impurity, the impurities rise up to the top and then they, they fished those impurities out and you have a pure bar of gold as a result. So this, this process is what Peter is talking about. He is saying that, that when we go through various trials, God is up to something. He's melting our lives down so that the impurities of our character and our sin that still needs to be worked out come to the top and God just purifies our character and our heart and our soul and our life and we come out better as a result. This is what God is up to. He is testing the genuineness of our faith when we go through various trials. Now, we have a song to sing in our trials. Now, church, listen, the Christian song is not dead. The Christian song is very much alive. Now look, if you just read political headlines all day long, where's the Christian songs in those? Huh? They're like dirges. You look at one headline to the next to the next, and it's like regardless of what you think about politics, you're just like elated or down. Here's the deal. All of those things are testing the genuineness of the Christian church in America today. And I am sorry to tell you, there needs to be a lot more singing happening. We need to be singing and rejoicing. Not because we get our way or don't get our way. We should be singing and rejoicing that the tested genuineness of any trial coming in our, in our political world or in our social world or in our neighborhood world, any trial is going to mo- remove the impurities of our character and make us more like Jesus. And we will get to see the full work of God at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus returns, there will be a award ceremony. There will be a, a reward ceremony. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. There will be a, a recompense. There will be an accounting of how you handled certain situations. And whether or not you ran to Christ or whether you ran away from Christ. So the goal is to sing your song. But when? Today? Today? Today. 
In the midst of my trial, I should sing? Yes. When I don't feel like singing? Yes. When my heroes are falling? Yes. Sing your song. Sing your song of salvation today. Because if you can't sing it in the worst of times, in the trials and the tribulations, when can you sing it? And finally, we should sing our song with joy. We should sing our song with joy. And this is found in verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. The obtaining of the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Though you have not seen him, Peter is talking to all the dispersed Christians, and he is saying you haven't seen Christ. Now what, what does this mean in Peter's life? Peter has seen Jesus, hasn't he? Peter's seen Christ. Peter said, I'll never, I'll never deny you. And then he denied him three times. Peter said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go back to fishing. Jesus comes to the beach and John 20 restores Peter. Wow. Peter has seen Christ face to face. He's seen him. But this generation of believers had not seen him. It's been 30 years since Jesus rose and went into the sky. And Peter is saying, I've seen him, but listen, you have not seen him, and yet you love him. That's the power of Christian conversion right there, is that you have not seen Jesus face to face, but you believe in him. And there's blessing in that. Um, John chapter 20, verses 29. Maybe Peter, this was in his mind, maybe. In John 20, verse 29, Jesus stood in front of Thomas, doubting Thomas, right? And he said, hey, Thomas, touch my hands, touch my side. Come and see. Come and see that I'm the real deal. And Thomas falls down, and he says, my Lord and my God, right? I believe. And do you remember what Jesus said? Do you remember what he said to Thomas next? He said, blessed are you if you have seen and believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. You see, there's a blessing for the Christian who has not yet seen Jesus and yet believes. There is something inside of a Christian, namely Christ in us. As we hear the message of salvation, we know we need to be saved. We believe in Christ. There is a joy that comes inside of us when we believe and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us that we love Jesus even though we haven't seen him yet. Can I get a witness? We love him. I haven't even seen him yet. And there will be a day where we see him and our song is going to be shouted from the mountaintops when we see Christ. So what is singing right now? Singing is done now with an attitude of faith and hope and joy. You shouldn't sing unless you sing joyful. You shouldn't sing unless you're joy, joyful being driven by Jesus and the thought of seeing him again. Some, most of us, you know, like I think all of us, we haven't seen him, right? But Jesus is here, isn't he? Amen? We haven't seen Christ face to face, but he is here. He's in our hearts. He's in our minds. He's over this church. We could be in a theater. We could be in our building. We could be on the street. Christ is here. And even though we haven't seen him, we feel him, we sense him, we know that he exists, we know that the resurrected Jesus is on his throne, and therefore we sing our song 
with joy. So as we close church, we're going to close with just reviewing this text. Sing your salvation song. Do you have a salvation song? Do all of you here have a salvation song? I hope so. I hope every single person knows Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. But if you're here and you, you don't have a salvation song yet, you don't know Christ yet, you know that you're a sinner and you've broken God's law and you know that God is holy and righteous, but you don't have a, a song yet, you haven't believed in Jesus, I would just invite you this morning to put your faith in Jesus. Even during the music, you can just cry out to Jesus and ask him to save you from your sins, and he will. Sing your song of permanent inheritance. Believer, this is our hope. Our inheritance is not tied to this world. Our inheritance is in heaven, and it's permanent. And we need to take joy in that, that we're going to see that inheritance someday. We need to sing our song today, right now. In the trials and tribulations that we're going through now, sing a song. And we need to sing with joy. By God's grace, let's do that. And let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to sing. Lord, we have so much to sing for, Jesus. Because you've died and been raised again, Lord. We have so much to sing about. So God, I pray that you would cause us to sing. Sing our song. Lord, to sing with joy to sing of our inheritance. And Lord, I pray that you would give encouragement to every Christian that is here. God, thank you for meeting with us. Lord, if there's one person here who doesn't know Christ, would you draw them in to sing their song for the first time. Trust you, Jesus, and in your name we pray. Amen.